welcome to another episode of our sas stories podcast i'm your host ash and this is a show where i interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories strategies and insights to help you build launch and grow your sas business in this episode i talk to abe and bok the founder and ceo of fedism abe brings around 13 years of experience in venture backed startups specializing in heavily regulated spaces as the first non-founding hire at flock he played a pivotal role in building the team and product from a whiteboard prototype to series a funding on the other hand bok a seasoned entrepreneur successfully grew booking bug from a two person startup to a global team of 140 individuals spread across three continents through strategic efforts Bok led the company to secure Series A funding and eventually orchestrated a successful exit to private equity in 2021. Both Abe and Bok share a strong belief in the transformative potential of blockchain technology. Motivated by their personal experiences with scams and frauds, they are determined to promote safety and a clear understanding of the risks associated with this innovative field. Together, as the founders of Fedism, They have developed a groundbreaking platform that provides point of use security and a risk mitigation and management search engine for blockchain based entities. Their cutting edge approach utilizes real time data and advanced numerical methods to offer technical risk pricing and aspire to deliver trustless chain native and fully decentralized insurance solution. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, Abe and Bob Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Ash. Great. Do you have a favorite quote, something that inspires on you both and share? Yeah. I mean, I think if you're looking for a quote, my favorite motivational quote, if you will, is probably Henry Ford's, you know, if I'd asked my customers what they wanted, it would have said faster horses. Um, I think a lot of people take the wrong lesson from that quote, but I think the quote itself is actually got super insightful. So... So tell us about Fedism. What does the product do? What who is it for? And what's the main problem you're helping solve? Yeah, I mean, look. So what Fedism does is it provides point of use and research level insights from a security and risk lens first into blockchain assets and portfolios. So we let you look at your transactions, at the assets you're interacting with, the contracts you're interacting with, uh, figure out what the cybersecurity risk profile of those entities is. as well as kind of FinOps counterparty risk, you know, who are the entities holding these assets, uh where's the funding coming from, was it washed using a mixer or is one entity pretending to be multiple entities, are there sanctioned entities in the loop? That kind of thing. Um the product is in some sense for everyone who uses the blockchain, but our sweet spot is really either active traders or organizations that interact with the blockchains and want to understand what their counterparty risk profile is and in effect do AML on the uh funding sources. Um that's kind of my take. Paul, give anything to add there or No, I think that's right. I think it's with this new class of assets opening up providing traditional methods to the unknown. you know uh, what we're really looking to do is attack the long tail of all these new assets being created 
and help people de-risk and safely. Right, right. Okay. And and trust me, even though I am a little bit technical, but there is a lot of things which I did not understand, which is like, you know, mixers and everything. So for our listeners, uh, would you be able to explain Abraham, more about like how the fraud actually happens in real life in the blockchain Absolutely. So fundamentally, fraud or theft, if you will, in the space comes in actually not all that many flavors. Uh, the first and most common is just an old school phishing attack. You think you're in Uniswap.com. Uh, you are, but the U is actually a Cyrillic letter. And instead of buying an asset, you get drained. So we obviously protect you from those kinds of attacks using fairly old-school phishing detections and URL blockers. Um, the second class of attacks is contract-based. There's So the contract itself is the piece of software running on the blockchain with which you interact to achieve things. Uh, think of like your web browser. That would be a software you drag with to access the internet. In blockchain land, you interact with contracts. Um, the analogy isn't perfect, but it'll do. Um, so those contracts, like any software, might be malicious. There might be stuff in them that can do anything, really, ranging from, you know, tracking your behavior to stealing the entire contents of your wallet. Uh, it's software. Uh, this is a problem the antivirus systems of old solved for traditional software back in the day, and we are replicating and the third is kind of FinOps and counterparty risk, right? Uh, as you interact with the software, you interact with uh, other pieces of software that hold value. Um, and the same kinds of risks that apply to financial institutions using money apply here, right? The person you are interacting with might be a shell account for drug cartels, or maybe one or two very rich people are buying up a bunch of this asset and masking themselves as hundreds of other people, or maybe there is nowhere near enough liquidity for the amount of the asset being sold, um, because a lot of these assets are derivatives, right? Um, things of that nature. Uh, they're not really new classes of risk per se, which is why we can price the risk so effectively, because we're using approaches perfected by uh, trading houses, insurance companies over a hundred years, but we're just applying them to a new class of assets, a new technical ecosystem. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that answers the question. I think it does. I, I, I received, received some, um, you know, um, information, which I, I'm still trying to process. So. So consider me as a five-year-old or a 10-year-old who recently got introduced with internet, right? Uh, maybe more give a list of an example. Let me see if I have this. So what I was saying is the flavors of fraud are from traditional Web2 line is the classic phishing kind of scams, what people usually experience with their banks. So you're going to a URL and the scammers slightly misspell where you think you're going gapped. So that's, there's a bunch that fall on that general land. Then the second one is um, with blockchain, everything you interact with is a smart contract. 
And what a smart contract is, in simple terms, is just a program. So every time you deal with the, the blockchain, you are interacting with a small program. And that program can be written in such a way to steal things for our view. And then the third, what AIM called uh, counterparty risks, is there may be other players you are unaware you are dealing with, or even if you are aware you're dealing with them, you can't know everything about them. So then what Fidesium does is we have whitelists and blacklists. We try to catch all those misspellings, make sure you're dealing with what you think you're dealing with. Then we read the contract and Abe has added some, what is called static analysis that reads through the contract programmatically to figure out what it's doing. So we run a simulation, then we use static analysis to read the contract to make sure it is either not been programmed to steal all the stuff in your wallet or it has not been programmed so badly that the <laughs> contents of your wallet could be drained through it could just be oversight i mean fundamentally no difference at the end of the day and then the last step we take is we look on chain and we compile a bunch of data about who else is interacting with that asset to try and look and suss out known factors that lead to what are known as rug pulls or different scams where people kind of run a pump and dump to steal the money from unsuspecting buyers, shall we say. So what Fidesium does is ingests an absolute ton of data from a bunch of different sources, reads through a bunch of difficult to understand code and then where we can block we block and where we can't block we give the end user information instead of data right we take in a bunch of data and we try to parse that for people so it can be easily understood and how we parse that and return it is by returning a risk score so and this is where it comes back to abe's uh background in insure attack that score we give is a technical risk price and, but it is still easy to understand, right? The lower it is, the lower the risk, the higher it is, the higher the risk. We never rate anything zero and we never rate anything. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. So essentially we are saying is, um, in, in a very, very simple word is, uh, you guys are the new antivirus software in the blockchain space, isn't it? For example. Yeah. Essentially, that is a good way to look at it. Yeah, because I still remember that back in 2007, um, eight, when we used to download not on antivirus, they used to give us this a month or something trial, and then they used to ask us for money. But during that trial period, what, what we used to learn is, oh, this website we are visiting, it doesn't have um, the, the HTTPS requirements, which though in those days, it was not that generic. It doesn't have, it's stealing your information with, you know, all these, um, Adobe flash plugins, etc. So there was like warnings of through those softwares. And I'm guessing Fedism is doing similar when you go online and trying to, trying to make a, make a blockchain contract, purchase something or to transfer your funds or something and then gives you a score based on different data you analyzed on the similar assets, right? Yeah, in essence, that's it. So we intercept the hash, 
we don't stop anything. You can eventually do it, but we put a little pause break in there, let give you a bunch of information, and then you can go on purchase of your own accord, but at least you're going in eyes wide open. Perfect. Perfect. Then I I I, I got hundred percent what 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 fit into. Good, good. So can you give us a sense of the size of the business? What are you in terms of revenue, number of customers, or size of the team right now? Uh, so we're still very early days. Uh, team size is still just me and Abe as we continue to build out the algorithm and um, discover new ways, talking to our clients of the best way to present uh, the information and how they want to interact with it. We have about 20 people using um, the extension and we have a decent amount of traffic going to the web lookup tool. And that is with currently no marketing whatsoever, just word of mouth, heading out to uh, meetup events and talking to people about the project. We're kind of on the cusp. The project will definitely protect you, but it needs a bit more before we feel it can provide an overwhelming uh, value set. And then we can start talking about monetization. But the roadmap is there, the interviews we've uh, conducted, and we're now looking into the B2B space as well. The risk engine is shaping up to uh, be pretty powerful in no, in, uh, no small thanks to uh, Abe's work. And it does seem to be uh, traveling in the right direction. So as you mentioned that um, there's a plugin which you said have to use. I want to pick up on that later. But before we start uh, on that uh, or begin with that, I want to pick up on the on your stories. So how did you guys meet and what made you decide that you you both are perfect to go on this journey together? Um, and, and what personal experiences you had in past which which actually helps you building fitness? Do you want to go first a bit? Sure, yeah. So... Um... I'm going to take this in reverse order. Uh, so personal experiences for me, I mean, I've been in blockchain land for a little while now, and you don't spend time in blockchain land without losing money to scams and frauds. Um, I, during this last bull run, lost a five-figure number. Um... And I am fairly technical, uh, software engineer, 13 years experience. So the kind of thought was, well, if I fall for these pretty basic attacks, if we're honest, then what hope does um, a less technical person have? And how is blockchain ever going to hit the kind of adoption that we believe the space is going to hit on its journey to democratize money uh without solving for that problem uh that coupled with my background in insure tech at flock uh building you know algorithmic underwriting systems uh kind of came together to take a very particular view of how to price and analyze risk and that's kind of how i ended up where we ended up um met balk at um the antler cohort eight and uh, i mean we were the only americans in the room and uh kind of got on really well 
Uh, I mean, I'll let Balk share his view, but we both share the passion for blockchain and the passion for the, you know, economic privacy and freedom that the space is going to bring to all of us. Perfect. Sounds good. Sounds good. Bug, do you want to go next? Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> blockchain, fairly early adopter, as, uh, like everyone, wish I was even earlier, but uh, have been in for a while, passionate about the space, like what it's doing, and, um, yeah, kind of Dave's point, if, if we don't solve these problems, the government will try to, and, you know, <laughs> let's face it, they're their track record for solving problems, not creating them is not great. Um, then my background, just uh, all my startups have in some way involved SaaS, whether it be B2C or B2B. Uh, exited a couple of years ago, was helping other companies, really liked the early stage. And so joined the Atler cohort, no real goals in mind, but... Uh, yeah, met Abe. We got on kind of like a house on fire. Um, you know, the 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 true test of uh, whether or not you can work with someone for the next ten years is go out and get well and truly drunk and see if uh, <laughs> the person offends you. You know, <laughs> the, the greatest litmus test uh, available. But yeah, so then Abe had the Abe had the genesis of the idea and pretty solid framework for what he wanted to build and had already had some um, beginning conversations, a few surveys. And what we did in, since we met is flesh that out, grow the idea, prove it out in uh, the market through more further conversations and have really just been on a journey of validating and building yeah, yeah. So just before we unwrap that beginning uh, story in the beginning, you mentioned that this is not your first SaaS. You did a couple of more before that. Would you like to unwrap a little bit more information about it? Oh, yeah. So the first one was called Booking Bug, later renamed Journey. And it was a very similar uh, beginnings. Uh, met someone, two people with an idea, started building a piece of software. It was doing booking reservations. It started off uh, B2C, much like uh, Fidesium was going. And after several years, pivoted to B2B. And it ended up <clears throat> being the booking solution for uh, high street retailers, large retail banks, and uh, large gyms, where, at least in the UK, control the very significant market share and had a pretty decent exit. Um, what I like about uh, working with Abe and having gone on that journey is to date, we've kind of compressed the four years at Booking Bug into about four months at Fidesium. Uh, it's just the tooling out there helps. Um, you know, there's just a lot more frameworks. There's a lot more support for all these kind of things uh, and just the years of experience. Just much faster. Abe is incredibly agile. He doesn't get, you know, precious about <laughs> his code or, no, we're doing exactly this and we're not changing no matter what the market says. You know, we're both 
uh, pretty pretty pragmatic realists when it comes to these sorts of things. So it's just, yeah, it's really nice working with them. It's a good team dynamic. Perfect, perfect. So so let's talk about where the story begins. So I got to know that you both met at uh, Antlers at Covert 8 and you uh, had some, uh, you know, experience, uh, a background in, in, in SaaS before and in insurance or sorry, uh, the security. Uh, so when, what was the moment or what was the epiphany, uh, epiphany uh, you guys had that you decided to go forward with this idea? But also, did you look in the market where there were other, any other product? What was going on at the time? And uh, what did you see from your research that encouraged you to move forward ahead with this? Um, so, yeah. So, I had the idea when we first went to look at uh, competitors. It was pretty thin on the ground. There were a couple people with a head start, um, which was very encouraging, you know. Unless you are wildly sure, breaking new ground is always uh, more dangerous than going against a few competitors. Uh, but they weren't too bad, and we thought we could uh, we thought we could beat them on uh, features offered. The more we got into it, the more we realized that for the extension, that was none of these companies' endgame. The space is still a bit too young. No one is uh, paying for that feature set. And so we had to go back to the drawing board a bit and revamp the idea. But we still really believed and through our talks with people that this was a viable way to go. The market size is huge. The potential for a viable, scalable business is still insanely large. The service is needed, you know. Blockchain is still in its infant days. It really needs this kind of tooling and companies to help it grow up and become what it should be. And that's another thing I think both me and Abe are pretty passionate about is just really helping the space grow and become what it should be on the kind of global stage. Right, right. I'm also interested in knowing how did you differentiate the product when competing against um, the, you know, like, likes of uh, Fedison. Um, is is it because it's a SaaS or is it because of this, fe this set of features you're providing to that and customers? And I would really uh, like, a, like a comment from you, Abel. Sure. So I think versus the uh, competitors we saw in the market uh, at the time and really still on that extension piece, um, a lot of them are looking at it from a pure cybersecurity lens, uh, that Norton antivirus analogy. They look at the contracts, uh, they check for kind of phishing detection. Now, the problem is that that is an incomplete analogy, right? Uh, you download a text file from your email, it burns your hard drive, that's very sad, uh, but neither the file, the file itself nor the contents of your hard drive, unless you go back it up, in and of themselves have financial value associated with them, let alone uh, financial flows of value. Uh, so there's an entire dimension of risk that is absent from that analogy uh, that most of our direct competitors on the extension side don't really address. And certainly none of them uh, look at risk 
through an extra aerial lens uh, an attempt to in any way estimate or measure the different magnitudes of risks that you might be exposing yourselves to they'll just tell you what they are um so that would be on the feature side i think are the differentiators from just about everybody in the market now that said as bulk said a minute ago um the long-term end game isn't the extension i mean the extension is a great tool to put out there and we think it delivers value and protects people um but the end game really is that integrated suite of risk mitigation tooling so it's an extension it's a research tool it's a portfolio management solution it's an insurance play all of that rolled up into a um single configurable offering right but nonetheless that is the gap on the extension side that we're railing perfect and and can you give me an example of something Fidelism did to make the user experience easier compared to their your competitor yeah so well, on the extension side we are just a bit smaller cleaner tighter package um a few of our competitors it's just a huge long list of things and they're not well explained abe kind of touched on that ours is a giant risk score it's you know if you look at nothing else you know it's just a it's a number in a color-coded box that lets you have some level of instant information about oh this is horribly dangerous or this isn't dangerous at all right are not very dangerous at all uh and then to the user experience um one thing that we do that no one of our other competitors do is our lookup tool so we allow no installation no anything go to app.fidesium.xyz look up tokens to your heart's content and we are growing that out week on week um getting to a pretty nice release cycle where we are uh, just pushed a new version so and what that does is gives you insights that really aren't available anywhere else and it's just a you know service we provide to the community to help them do the research and find out what we think and what people who've interviewed think is valuable information about the assets they might want to interact with. And then if they do find something they like, we have a button where you can quickly purchase from app.fidesium.xyz so that you don't have to go typing in other addresses and worry about third-party attacks and all that stuff over again. We can just feed you straight into the transaction and you stay safe. Right, right. I also picked up on the point you mentioned that it was really quick for uh, for you uh, you guys to get the first version out. Uh, would you would you explain it to our listeners that which tech tech stack you guys used and how long it actually took you to release the first version? Yeah, absolutely. So um, our backend is uh, a couple Node.js servers. Uh, we're sat on top of Postgres database uh, deployed to Heroku. Um, on the front end, we are using a framework called Plasmo, which is a wrapper around React uh, for deploying uh, browser extensions. 
the whole lol is written in TypeScript. A fairly strict subset of TypeScript. Um, so that's our tech stack, right? Like on the blockchain side, it's primarily APIs. We use a couple of providers, things like Alchemy and Fora, uh, Morales. It's a fairly long list. Um, we're using Viper for our contract dev. Uh, we are building some smart contracts in-house ourselves. Um, so that's our stack. How long did it take us to launch the first version? Uh, I mean, it's a slightly tricky question, right? And the answer, the reason for that is that Google's release cycle for Chrome extensions is slow. Um, we submitted our first version to the Chrome store within about three months. It was about three months. I don't, I don't remember exactly. And then it took, then it took us another month of song and dance to get through Google's process. <laughs> so where you want to start counting, I guess four is probably the more answer, the more honest answer. But I, I would tell Google three. That's quite impressive because you know, considering SaaS products in the past, which I've been um, in contact with four months to release the first version with so much, uh, you know, uh, capability in terms of providing you some analysis on if you can, if you want to go forward or not, it's really impressive. Um, so I guess from here, I would like to navigate to the next part of the startup, which is, I know that you guys have not started charging or have you guys started charging for the product yet? Um, so. Kind of. So if you purchase through app.fidesium.com, we currently allow that, track it. Um, sorry, not track it, but pass on that interaction. We are a short ways away that we could institute a small gas fee for the safety and the service of the information we provide. But yeah, we have not yet. Okay. And are you already thinking about uh, a pricing model? And uh, before answering that, I would also want to know, have you guys already thought about a revenue model for this product? Yeah, so we're looking at a pretty traditional uh, SaaS revenue model. Um, we believe it'll take the form of subscription fee if we roll out a full SDK, but uh, what is it? Uh, usage of an api yeah and on top of that uh we are looking to roll out um an insurance offering on the backware risk score um now that'll be a blended product we are going to launch a chain native insurance protocol as you mentioned initially uh where the revenue model will be based on capital allocation same as for any other insurance company on the planet uh we will also seek to uh raise traditional insurance capital uh where you know we will take a share of written premium same as any other broker or representative right right okay that's good so i think the next bit i want to un unwrap is what was what was the what was the data point or what actually made you to decide to build a, a, a web Chrome extension version of the product instead of making it as a desktop or a, or a computer software or a, a SaaS product, uh, for example, a web-based product, but not as a Chrome extension. Oh, just in, if you interact with 
Web3, you have MetaMask. MetaMask is a <laughs> Chrome extension. Most people who transact because of the different rulings on the different web stores. Um, so if you're playing in the top end of the market, centralized exchanges will have apps and a very walled garden kind of experience. But once you get out of the top, I would say 250 coins, say, where you are purchasing, how you are purchasing is via Uniswap, SushiSwap, PancakeSwap, these different places, and how you interact with them is, I would say, nine, nine times out of 100 with a wallet extension on your browser of choice. And that wallet extension is usually MetaMask. I think they have about their upper 80s, if not low 90s in market share. I genuinely don't know how you would even interact with these Solana websites without a browser extension. Right? Yeah, I'm just saying that um, that's like the first thing you need in order to go into the blockchain. Yeah, I mean, like it's one of those things, right? So traditionally, in a lot of other spaces, the wisdom is that um, launching an extension is to cut things short a bad business plan because there's an inherent friction to that that say a website doesn't have there are obviously some successful uh extension companies look at any vpn but for the most part i get it uh in this particular space that initial friction has already by default been overcome right if you're partaking in the space you've installed at least one extension to do so just out the gate right yeah and i'm missing most of your customers will be on the chrome because of that reason because chrome has a very big huge i mean last i checked chrome had north of 90 percent market rate anyway web3 or otherwise but i'm sure it's even higher in right. web3 okay great stuff so tell me more about who is your icp who is your ideal customer persona um and 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 how how you're reaching out to them in order to uh, do more research because I'm guessing that you need to understand more pain points from your end customers in order to uh, enhance or scale your product. Yeah, so when we were looking more to the B2C market, we were looking at somebody in their mid-30s who is either adept in the space or looking to become adept in the space. And what we were solving for them was low-level scams and frauds and delivering more. The value add was delivering more information about the assets they might be interacting with. <clears throat> and the real value add behind that was the speed. So if you're trading mem coins, <clears throat> you need to know relatively quickly make decisions very fast to catch the different waves. And so that's what we're looking at. And where we're finding those people were in different discords, telegram groups, and the like. While we will still pursue that in the future, what we're now looking at is providing 
more along the lines of dev tooling, B2B style. And where we're finding those customers is just through old fashioned networking. So we have been going to more FinTech and TradFi meetups in the London ecosystem and just beginning those conversations. And as we talk to those people, it's just, you know, that in-person soft touch, interviewing them without them realizing they're being interviewed and really trying to hit the crux of their needs and wants for what's going on in this space. But, and what we found is, blockchain has been coming for several years. It's growing exponentially. The consumer market, while in a bear, is still, you know, bigger than ever, or certainly bigger than the last bear market. But what's really shifted, and why we think the time is right, is the institutions are really starting to get on board. Um, BlackRock, the largest fund in the history of the world, I think I read they are now... Their assets under management place them, if you compare them to countries, they would be the third biggest country. They are just behind the U.S. and China, and they are about twice Japan. It is absolutely insane. So they just applied uh, for an ETF to allow be able to trade a packaged version of like an investable object of Bitcoin. They were turned down, but they've already reapplied. And the fact that they were turned down in the first place is amazing. Uh, when when BlackRock applies for something, they tend to get it. I think of 200 some odd applications they've made to the SEC, they've been turned down once. So investment in traditional large-scale investment from institutions, institutional investment is coming to this space. And so I think that's the other reason that Abe and I decided that, yeah, probably the B2B play, at least as an entrant into the market and make us commercially viable in the short term, is going down that road. Nice, nice. So that 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 tells me that there's a... There's a uh... Uh, you know, a brilliant, uh, shining future for, for SaaS products like Fidism in, in coming days. Um, so that, that's really good. So, so throughout your, your journey and experience, there must have been valuable lessons learned. You know, if, if, if you don't mind sharing, could you reflect on your experience and tell us about uh, a mistake or a setback that you encountered along the way that you now consider uh, regret or additionally uh, a learning lesson and what advice would you give our listeners based on that experience? Um, I don't think we've had any crucial missteps yet. We are very young though. I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're lurking around the corner. Um, learnings for listeners, if they are in the early stage of fundraising, um, no London VC that says they do pre-seed means it. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Great. Okay, so as we were heading towards the end of our interview, so we should uh, wrap up. Uh, before that, I have a lightning round for both of you. I've got six quick uh, questions for you. 
and you know just try to answer them as yes you can sounds good okay let's start the first one is what's one of the best pieces of business advice you have received oh this is gonna be weirdly niche but um sign up for seed legals it clears a lot of legal headaches out of your way so I think the I think the best piece of business advice I've ever received from anybody and have lived experience to suggest as good advice is, in a nutshell, Yagni. Whatever you're building, whatever you think you're going to need six months from now, you're not going to need it. Don't bother. Build what you need yeah, today. Yeah, I, I I like that. I really like that because that's something which is very crucial because, uh, you know, founders spend so much time to get their products, you know, pixel perfect, but it doesn't matter at the early stage so that's good that's good okay what book would you recommend to our audience and why uh the mom test for early stage startups it is the the only and most important holy tome talk to people find a real pain and address that pain i'm a big fan of peter thiel's zero to one big fan i think he has some real nuggets of wisdom in there it's not quite as um, here is a step-by-step -step set of instructions as like the mom test or something lean startup, but I think it's a real insightful book. Great. I, I have to add that into my reader list then. Great. Okay. Uh, what one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder? Ah, communication. Perseverance. Yeah. Great. And what's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? I mean, I think my person, my, I, I, this is going to be a bit of a call out, but I think having children because, uh, so I've got two kids and I used to waste a lot of time doing stuff that didn't matter. I can no, I no longer have that luxury. So if I'm doing something, I, I think it's probably useful. I might be wrong, but, uh, I don't have the time to waste. Uh, for me, honestly, just, um, a timer, like. Old school hack, just if I need to get something done or I'm worried about how long something's going to take or I need several things, set myself an artificial time limit and set a timer and then just bust through it. No, I get that. I can, I, I, I can sense it in my brain. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's still Hey. Okay, let's, next question. What, what's a new or anything idea you would love so what was the question? What's a new, crazy business idea you would pursue? If you had the time. Well, time and money, right? Um, I mean, I still think that tech recruit the tech recruitment is fundamentally broken. Uh, I think the way, and I'm sure this is true of other industries as well, but I think that the way in which we match people to jobs is busted. And no, I don't think the answer is large language models. <laughs> what about you, Bob? Guy, healthcare, there are just so many inefficiencies in the bureaucracy. Um, something that could eliminate the levels of red tape and still keep people safe. You know, like the promise of blockchain. Something blockchain of medical, if you keep it yeah, I mean, healthcare on the blockchain would be incredible, but you'd need an absurd amount of money and probably government backing. I second that, yeah. And last 
in our list. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? Yeah, sure. Uh, I hold a record in the States for living the longest with a burst appendix. What? Really? I mean, it's a very long story. We don't have to have here, but I'll catch you up with What I mean, mine is less impressive than that. Uh, when I was 17, I placed third in the U.S. for Taekwondo. Wow, that's really good. So nobody's fighting with you. Huh? <laughs> 17 was a long time ago. <laughs> that's nice. That's nice. Well, Evan, Bob, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story and backing the last few years of building this business and some of the ups and downs of the way. Uh, if people want to check out Purism, uh, they can go to, is it Purism.xyz? Yeah. yeah, it's Purism.xyz. Uh, we have a browser extension you can download and play with if you're transacting. We also have a uh, research tool at app.purism.xyz. Okay, if folks want to get in touch with you, what, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, just uh, hit the website, uh, join the Discord or Telegram, um, or uh, head up to one of uh, one of the London uh, web free drink ups. Or they can just email us. It is very easy. Pocket Phenesium, Abit Phenesium. Abit. And I will also say here, uh, obviously somewhat time sensitive. But I will be in Paris the week of ECC. So if you're blockchain native and what I said makes sense, hit me off and we'll have a job. Well, thank you both for joining us for this amazing interview. And I will appreciate, uh, I'd really appreciate your time. And one day when you become a billionaire, I will, I will definitely want to get you on the call again. Excellent. Amazing. Thanks a lot, Ash. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Ash. See you around, bud. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of our SaaS Stories podcast. I hope you found our conversation with Abe and Pop insightful and inspiring. If you're a founder or industry expert interested in sharing your story on our SaaS podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out. Simply email me at ash at artcircles.com and let's connect for a potential interview opportunity. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay updated on future interviews with proven founders and industry experts. We have a lineup of incredible guests and valuable insights coming your way. Stay inspired, stay motivated, and keep building.